Father, would you fill us with your spirit? Would you speak to us today? It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Part of what I pray is like, God, just don't let me say dumb things, you know? <laughs> I, uh, for real, that's honestly, you know, like if I'm going to say any dumb, dumb things, would you, just, would you stop me from saying it? Because, you know, sometimes I'll go back and listen to my sermons and I'll be like, man, that was a dumb thing. Why did you, why did you say that? Somehow God can, can use it anyway. Um, if you're old, uh, and, and I guess I don't know what the, I don't know when you cross that line from being young to old. Um, apparently it's subjective, but if you're old, you remember the beginnings of the internet. You remember like the first, you know, few news articles and news report where people were like, yeah, there's this thing called the World Wide Web, and I don't know what it is. And, and then maybe you remember the first time you signed up for an email address and you did, you did some goofy email, like Patrick is a cool guy at Juno.com. Some of you still have Juno.com. My dad does. He's old school like that. And uh, it just was like, like at the beginnings of this, you, you didn't know kind of what it was going to turn into, but maybe you begin to think like, I, I think, I think this, this interwebs thing is going to be pretty big. I think it's going to be pretty big. Um, th- this week, I was scrolling um, the internet on my internet device that I have that I hold in my pocket that has the internet on it. And as I was scrolling on the internet device on this internet website uh, for, for internet socializing, I saw an internet advertisement that was going to sell me an internet coffee maker. An internet coffee maker. And I thought, I really do really could use an internet coffee maker. That's probably something I need. I was telling Karine about it and I was like, I I could use an internet coffee maker. And she's like, why? And I'm like, because the internet, it's just, it's just, it's way it is. Somebody told me after the first service, like I can pull up my phone, press a button and my house will be vacuumed by the time I get home because the internet. The internet is so great, right? It's wonderful. There's just no downsides to the internet. There's nothing that we can think that isn't, <laughs> isn't good. Okay, there's a few. I, yeah, I know. I think this internet thing is going to be big. Some of us, and, and I'm here, I'm putting myself in this category, are, are, it's beginning to dawn on us that this spirit thing is the real deal. That, that there's something to this conversation about the spirit, that, that we've been living our lives kind of without the spirit maybe. Not that we didn't believe he, he was real or he existed or he worked, but we didn't necessarily like try to navigate our daily lives with the spirit. And we've begun to do that. And it's kind of, I don't know for you, but it's kind of blowing my mind. Like, I think this is going to be a big deal. I think the, I think the spirit might be everywhere. I think the Spirit might be impacting everything. I think this might be a huge deal. And I don't know another way to describe this, but I think this is true. It has been for me. I think it might be true for you, certainly based on some of the conversations I've had with people, is that some of us are experiencing a, uh, a this sounds so, I don't know, so loose, I don't know what the word is, but, but experiencing an awakening to the Spirit, the reality of the Spirit in our lives, and there's something exciting and refreshing and life-giving about it, and that's awesome, and we need to keep pursuing that, because this is what our spiritual life, you know that word spiritual life, that you know where the word spiritual comes from? The Spirit, and we try to do this spiritual life outside of the Spirit, and no wonder it's so hard and such a struggle. Um, so, God, fill us with your spirit. That's, that's, that's what it is. If you have your internet device and you want to read your internet Bible as we, uh, as we go along here, turn to the book of Romans chapter 8. We were in Romans last week and we started in chapter 1. Chapter 1 is this mind-blowing, mind-blowing verse where he says, There is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I want that. That sounds good. 
So we worked our way through there, and I'm going to jump back a few verses uh, from last week. We're not recapping per se, but I just want to get a, a little bit of a running start into what we're talking about today, because after the first service, I can tell you what we're talking about today is, um, well, you'll just see, you'll just see. Romans chapter 8, verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh, remember that's kind of that biblical word where he talks about people who are not operating in the Spirit. It doesn't mean evil per se it can but it's just like we're trying to just make our way through our own strength only thinking about ourselves only worried about what matters to, to us that's what that's what life is all about if you live oriented that way those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh what matters to me what do i want what do i like what will get me ahead what will make me feel good what will make me be in control they have their minds set on those types of things um, those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on the things of the Spirit. What does God want? What is God doing? How is God filling me? What, where is God leading me? Where is God guiding me? To set the mind on the flesh is death. Seems kind of extreme, but we're going to, I'll just give you a little heads up. We're going to talk about death an uncomfortable amount today. Um, those who set the mind on the flesh, when you think about me, my needs, my wants, my desires, that the end result of that road is death. Boom, bam, done. That's it. That's just the, you keep going down that road, death. Physical death, Patrick? Like, am I going to just kill over and croak? Uh, spiritual death? I don't know. Maybe both in some ways. The end of that road is death. But those who set their mind on the spirit, that's life and peace. Ooh, I like that. That's what I want. For this reason, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law or God's will or God's way, nor can it. It, it just, it, those who are on the flesh cannot please God. So we talked about this all last week. This is just like a less noble, charitable way of living and being and thinking. And then note this, this is not, I'm not like a grammar guy, but note that he changes from third person to second person, Romans 8 verse 9, but you, me, we, you, are not in the flesh. And some of you are like, yeah, but sometimes I still make pretty selfish decisions. And sometimes I do things that I regret and I say things that I don't like. Yeah, but you are not here. And we're working on getting out of here. You are in the Spirit since the Spirit of God dwells in you. That's good. <laughs> All right. Amen. I like that. And it's really important that we start with this idea of since the Spirit of God dwells in you. I am no, like... Not even, not even close to being somebody who understands like psychology and psychiatry and all that. I have read articles that make me feel like I probably know more than I actually do. But I have been told that when it comes to fear, when something scares us, when like, you know, you have a son or a daughter that hides behind a door and they startle you, or when you hear a noise at your window and it's late at night, or, you know, when somebody breaks in your house, fear, that I had been told that there were two responses. Do you, do you remember what those responses were? For some people, when they, are, when they fear, they, what do they do? Fight, Right? Like some people will punch somebody, you know, like you'll see those videos, some, you know, like, and that's the kind of people we like because those are the people that are going to like rush into the danger. But like I saw this video of this kid trying to prank his mom and his mom just decked him because <laughs> that's the fight response. And then the, the other response is the what? Flight. Like I'm getting out of here. That's probably most of us, right? Most of us kind of run away. I see that. And then a few years ago, uh, the smart people said, actually, we've discovered that there's another, a third response. Do you remember what that one is? Freeze, right? You know, like, I don't know what to do. I'm paralyzed. Ah, it's scary. I'm going to hide under my blankies until everything gets better. So whatever, there's fight, fight, freeze. 
So I'm reading this article the other day, and then they say there's an actual fourth thing that people do in the face of fear. Does anybody know what that one is? Fawn. Fawn. You're like, isn't a fawn a baby deer? No, and they're just trying to keep it ridiculously, I don't know why they had to go with all the Fs. Fawn. And this is in the face of fear, you're so irrationally afraid that you try to like weirdly connect with that thing that makes you afraid. And I was like, oh, this is really interesting because I don't know what I am. I am not sure if I'm fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. I hope I'm fight, but I don't think I am. And then when they said fawn, I was like, oh no, that one's me. That one's me because this is what I do. If somebody's mad at me and I'm scared that they're mad at me, you know what I do? Oh, and I'm like, oh yeah, your opinion is so valid and you are so right and you are so smart and I'm just a dummy. I'm do- I totally do that. I don't fight, I don't run, I don't freeze. I tell them how awesome they are for being mad at me. That's what I do. It's so ridiculous. I was so annoyed when I saw that fourth one. I was like, ah, why can't I have the fight one, God? Why didn't you give me that one? So there's these, there's the, and the, I, I was thinking about this this week because I was like, well, what if somebody broke into my house? What does that fond response look like if somebody's like, like breaking into your house, robbing you? And I probably would be like, dude, that is a really nice ski mask. I mean, super comfortable looking. Is that handmade? Did you get that on the internet? Can I order one? Like, you are doing an excellent job of robbing me. I am totally terrified. Five stars. If there's a place to give you a review, love it. It's wonderful. Excellent work. So what happens is, and this is just kind of the way we operate, when we are in the flesh, we are uh, given a limited menu of options to our response to life, no matter what it is. We have limited options. These are your multiple choices, A, B, C, or in fear, A, B, C. It's just not just fear, it's everything, but A, B, C. These are the things you can do. So for example, when, you, when something happens that you don't like, a lot of you get angry. You don't know what else to do, you just get angry. That's like your only, your only response is to get angry. Some of you, when something happens that you don't like, you get defensive. Or, you know, you, or, or some of you like, try to grasp for control and try to manipulate the situation so it becomes a situation that you like. Those are the limited options the flesh tells us that we have in a difficult situation. That's all, that's all we got. That's all we can do. We don't know what else to do. I mean, how often did this happen with Jesus where he would be walking around doing his own thing? Somebody would come along and be like, Jesus, here's your two options. You can either do A or do B. And Jesus would be like, hmm, I choose door number three. And people were like, what? We didn't know there was a door number three. We didn't know there was that option. We just thought you could do one of these two things. And Jesus was like just walking his own path. He did not operate out of the limited menu options of the flesh. But he operated out of the spirit. First Corinthians chapter 3 says we have the mind of Christ. We don't have to accept those limited menu options. You don't have to just get upset every time something happens that you don't like. You don't have to get defensive. You don't have to get sad. You don't have to feel overwhelmed. Those are not your only options unless you're just operating from the flesh. This is good stuff. I mean, this is re- it's really helpful to me. I had no idea there was a door number three. I didn't know that there was all these options. This is great. All right. And the Spirit is saying, think bigger. Man, come on. You are not in the flesh. You are in the Spirit since the Spirit of God dwells in you. That is a statement for those of you who have a relationship with God. And I don't want to tell you who it is and who it isn't. But you need to determine that for yourself. You are not in the flesh. You don't have to operate this way. You are in the Spirit. The Spirit of God dwells in you. Done. That's, we should be done right there. We should sing right now. 
But I got more to say. I told you we were going to talk a lot about death. So I want to talk about that. I think I freaked people out in the first service. So talk to some of them. They might not be doing okay after that sermon. Romans chapter 8, verse uh, 9, the second half of verse 9. It says this. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ, and they're just using these terms interchangeably, Spirit of God, Spirit, Spirit of Christ. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. So this is the second half of chapter or verse 9, I think. Jeff, if you can find it, that'd be great. So my first reaction when I read that verse is to get nervous. When it says things like, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. And I get in my own head. Anybody else ever do this where you're like, wait, is he talking about me? Do I not have the Spirit of Christ? Did I do something wrong? Did Somebody else has had much deeper, more exciting spiritual experiences than I have. And I haven't had those experiences. So does that mean I don't have the Spirit of Christ? And the Spirit of Christ doesn't dwell, dwell in me? I don't belong to him? And I get all like freaked out in my own head. I get nervous and worried and like... But notice this, he switched back, I I don't want to make too much of this, but I I think it's worth noting, he switched back from the third person to the second person. He's telling a general truth. Just so you know, if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you don't belong to Christ. Now, why is this important for us to know? Why why would this this matter? And by the way, can I just real quick, real quick pause. Um, I didn't even have coffee today. I'm just super wound up. I'm excited. But let me pause, take a breath. Um, when, When I try to navigate life, my process, and this isn't the right process, it's just what I do, you can figure out your own way, is I try to pray and then write stuff down. Because what I find is, is that if I don't write stuff down, I forget that God answered my prayer. Like, not years later, like the next morning, I'll forget that God, like, oh, yeah, God did answer that. Oh, I totally forgot. And so I got to write stuff down just so I stay, like, in tune with what God is trying to do in me. Like, literally, I'll just get, I'll just get so wound up. God, what are you doing? Why aren't you, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then I'll flip a page back and I'll be like, oh, yeah, that's right. You were really coming through for me. I'm so high maintenance. I'm, I'm, it must be, like, the most annoying relationship with God because God must be like, come on. Like, I've answered. I've worked in you. I've, you know, come on. But Paul, in this verse, this is important. I'm pointing back there because that's my screen. Paul, in this verse, is saying you cannot live the spiritual life without the Spirit. I know that sounds like, okay, Patrick, I woke up and put on clothes to listen to that. This is so important because a lot of Christians have tried to live the spiritual life outside of the Spirit. And you know what happens? Very little. It is very hard. It is like trying to drive a car without gas. You cannot live a spiritual life without the Spirit. It just doesn't work. I've, you know, I know that because I've tried. I've tried to do that. I have enough self-control to maybe do what God wants me to do for about 10 minutes, and then I'm just totally tapped out. I just don't have deep reserves of self-control. And you know what does produce self-control in me? The Spirit of God. But if I try to do it on my own, I mean, I can get, I can get a, just a little bit. But if I have the Spirit of God, it's so different. So important to know that. Life in Christ, life in the Spirit can't be lived outside. Uh, a spiritual life can't be lived outside of the Spirit. Um, years ago, I, I, think, I think if you ever want to feel bad about yourself as a person, a really good way to do that is to have children. Because trying to, and I, I don't... <laughs> Trying to help children navigate stuff, I, I mean, I know this is a cliche, but I really did think I was going to be a good parent before I had kids. 
and now I'm getting that that confidence is very much diminished a, after having kids. <laughs> I, I'm learning kids, so you know I have to apologize to them all the time. My cousin and I were talking about um, parenting one time, and she was telling me the story of her four or five year old, and just a you know a really great kid, just a like obedient, had a good heart, good kid, you know. And sometimes as a parent, you're like, I don't know how that happened. <laughs> Thank you, God, because that's great. I I don't think it was me. And so this kid's really great. And somehow, through some weird circumstance, he had gotten the idea that his mother was asking him to do this crazy thing, which was to move the living room couch into the kitchen. You know how kids, they just sometimes, parents, you know, just, it's this weird circumstance. And so this good kid was trying hard, and he was leaning up against the couch, and he was pushing, and he had his shoulder into it, and he was trying so hard because he wanted to please his mom, but he couldn't do it, and he's sad, and he feels like a failure, and he feels frustrated, and he's crying because he cannot live up to what he thinks are his mom's expectations. God is not asking you to live a spiritual life without giving you the power to do it. He's not asking you to live the spiritual life without giving you the power to do it. His mom did not ask him to move the couch into the, into the kitchen. But much less, if she had, she would have figured out a way that he could do it. God is not asking you to do something you cannot do. Trying to live a spiritual life without the Spirit is miserable, it's bleak, it's exhausting. And we just, we just need to understand that. And if you're just like, oh, I'm spinning my wheels and it's hard and I want to give up, maybe you haven't engaged with the Spirit. Maybe the Spirit isn't filling you, enabling you to live the spiritual life. Sadly, that's characterized a lot of my spiritual life. And it's tough, and you feel like a failure. But, verse 10, verse 10, if Christ is in you, now this is important, again, that those ifs give us pause. We're like, if Christ is in me, how do I know? He's already saying, listen, Christ is in you, and I'm telling you the reality of living as if Christ is in you. Don't, don't the switch back to the, the second person. These are intentional changes. If Christ is in you, though the body, this is, <laughs> is going to be interesting. You ready for this? Though the body, your body, your, your skin and bone and flesh and synapses and the body, the body is dead. Now, some of you read that and you're like, I, heart's beating, I've got a pulse, brain firing, I think therefore I am, I'm all good. What are you saying the body is dead. But some of you are like, I kind of get that the body is dead a little bit because, you know, when you're a kid, you can do anything. You don't get hurt. It's all great. Everything's wonderful. When you grow up and you like, literally, you, you have to talk to someone and turn your neck this way for a little bit too long. And then it's like a week. You're just like, oh, I can't. My neck's killing me. Just like these tiny little things. Like I, I, to, total confession time. I, when I get out of bed, it's like a process of like, I feel like I'm a young guy, but I get out of bed and I'm like, okay, Walking over to, you know, like going down the stairs, I got to really gear up for it. Like, I'm a young guy. What is, I got to gear up to go down the stairs, like, like the railing on the stairs. And it takes a few minutes to get everything going and get the systems running again. The body is dead. It's dead. It's dead. And guess what's going to happen eventually to all of us here in the room? Are you excited to think about that? Well, guess what? We're going to get to think about it some more. The body is dead. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. The body is dead because of sin. Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, we'll talk about that next week on Easter, right? Dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your bodies. Also through his spirit that dwells in you. 
So we're kind of stumbling into this really important theological concept. It's big, it's strange, but there's this claim in Scripture going all the way back to the very first chapter of the Bible that says, hey, if you sin, you will die. Well, that's a weird one, God, because I think if I, if I were to like immediately keel over if I sinned, I mean, we'd all, you know, we wouldn't make it to... I mean, I would hit 13 and I'd be, I would have been dead immediately, right? So what, what is that? If you sin, you will die. Well, is it spiritual death? Yeah, that's part of it. But there's more actually to that. There is a consistent, are you ready for this? This is one of these ideas that is going to like freak some people out. There is a consistent um, truth presented in scripture that sin actually hastens, enables, brings about physical decay and destruction and death. People who sin will die. Now, this is weird because we, that feels metaphysical in a way that I don't think is very familiar to us. Like, we just feel like you just do your thing and, well, some people get hit by a car and some people get sick and other people live long, healthy lives. And they seem like, why did they live long? You know, it doesn't, it, the, the formula just doesn't seem to make sense to us. What's going on? Well, let's just, just give ourselves like a little foothold here because this is what Paul's referring to. Um, did you know, did you know this? I didn't know this. I'm not a doctor. I have no idea. Somebody who's a doctor can correct me if this is wrong. But I read that, um, that stress can cause your cells to age faster. Did you know that? Stress can cause your cells to age faster. Which means that if you live a life, a stressed out life, you might die sooner. Right? Is that, does that, make, that seems like it makes sense to me. Like, stress can cause your cells to age faster. Well, is being stressed out sinful? No, 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 no. No. But think about all the things in our lives caused by sin that result in things like stress and anxiety and mental health struggles and depression. Those things aren't sin, but things in our lives cause those things and cause us to sin. And some of you are like, Patrick, you're freaking me out. This is stressing me and I'm dying faster now because of this sermon. But I'm telling you, that's, there's this idea, truly. Like, you as a kid had someone say something terrible and cruel and awful to you. And you died inside a little bit. And you as an adult carry that to this day. And it causes stress and anxiety. And it ages your cells faster. And we're like, that can't be right. But science is beginning to figure out that our cells age faster as a result of these things that introduce death. And the Bible's like, yeah, I, we've been saying that for thousands of years, actually. It's in the very first pages of Scripture. And sin leads to death, but the Spirit leads to life. And, and this is important. I, I know this is a weird thing to talk about, um, but death can really mess with your life. And I know you're like, well, pff, yeah, of course. Yeah, if you're going along and you die. But, it, but even the idea of death can really mess with your life. You know what I mean? Um, I, I, does anybody in here know what I mean when I say death math? Where, uh, you know, where you're like, you hit like, I don't know, maybe you hit 35 and you're like, it's only 15 years till I'm 50 and that's kind of the end. Or you hit 43 and you're like... 17 years till I'm 60, and I mean, what's really left after 60? Or you hit like 62, and you're like, oh man, you know, I still have 38 years till I'm 100, and so that's, you know, that's, that's really, that's pretty good. That's death math. That's what I do all the time. And so sometimes this is more insight into my mind than you want to know. Like, I'll watch movies, and I'll be like, 
Tom Cruise, man, he looks pretty old. Is he 57? <gasps> I could maybe look that good when I'm 57. Or the worst part is, and again, this don't really, doesn't really matter, is when you're watching sports and the commentators are like, that guy is on his last legs. He needs to retire. He is so old. He's ancient. He's an ancient human being and he needs to get off the field. And you're like, look how, look, how old is he? He's 34. And you're like, oh my goodness. Like, so death can really mess with your idea of life. Just the, just the thought of death, of, about how, how, how it works. Do you know Minnesota has the third highest life expectancy in the United States, third highest. So we've got Hawaii, which makes sense, right? California, still kind of makes sense, Southern California. And then Minnesota. You wouldn't think Minnesota would be up there, but we're up there. And we, on average, live to be 80.8 years old. Did anybody do some math just now in their head? Like, oh, how much time do I have left? Yeah, death math. But the problem is, is that idea of death kind of hanging over our heads messes with our life. It messes with our choices. It messes with our expectations. It messes with our thoughts. And it primarily does that in two ways. And let me give you real quickly two examples on, on, um, or, or two ways that it does that. On one hand, death messes with our life because we think like, okay, I'm going to die impending death. Clock is ticking. Tick tock, tick tock. Hourglass sand is falling through the hourglass. I need to preserve and hold on to. I need to save my life. And so some people try to do that through exercise. Not that exercise is wrong. Or vitamins. Or plastic surgery. Or dressing way too young for their, you know, their age. So death. Like try to hold on to it. Hold on to it. Hold on to it. But it's death. It's the clock ticking in their head that makes them make those sorts of decisions. Preserve, 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 preserve. Stay safe. Stay safe. Stay safe. That's death. The other way people let death mess with their thinking is they get into this, you only live once. Got to live, got to do it, got to try everything. Every drug out there, got to experience everything. You only live once, I'll max out those credit cards and then who cares, I'm dead. That's the other way death messes with our lives. And you see people reacting in both of those ways. But either way, and this is really important to what we're talking about, either way is living with an obligation to the flesh, like Paul's been talking about. We're living with this obligation. The flesh is hanging over our head in the sense of death, and we're living with an obligation to the flesh. It's influencing and empowering and forcing our decisions. The flesh, death, is forcing our choices, and we don't make good choices. So Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 12, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh. It is not to live that way. It is not to allow the ticking time bomb of death to make our choices for us. We have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh living, live according to it. For, verse 13, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. So if you operate from this way, this posture, this orientation, it's just get, that, that road leads to death. If by the Spirit, this is so important, by the Spirit you put to death the deeds or misdeeds of the body you will live. That sounds a lot like something Jesus said. He said, hey, those of you that try to cling to your life, you try to save it, you try to preserve it, you try to live it the way you think you should live it, and you don't have any regard for me, you're going to lose that life. But those of you that lose your life for my sake, what did he say? You'll find it. You'll find it. That's the life is at the end of this, this sort of death, putting to death sin, putting to death those things we think will bring life so amazing but sin sin we've talked a lot about the spirit but we need to talk about sin just for a second because sin as we all know sin is fun things 
that God doesn't want you to do. That's what sin is, right? The Bible says sin is like, think of anything that's fun and then God doesn't want you to do it. That's sin, right? No. No. That that's somehow the lie that we've been told. That sin is just, hey, God is trying to close the door on all those cool things that you want to do. And he's just calling that sin to scare you and make you feel guilty. God, that's sin. No, 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 no. Sin is not fun things that God is trying to keep you from doing. Sin is trying to kill you. And God is trying to save you. Uh, a, few year, uh, a few years ago, uh, in May, May of 2020, I saw this uh, video. You know, some, it, I guess everybody was watching videos because we weren't doing anything else in May of 2020. And it was this father and his son, and they were in the Italian foothills below the Italian Alps. And they were just going along for their hike, you know, and dad's videotaping his son because you videotape everything now because it's got to go on the internet. The internet is everywhere, and everybody has to know what you're doing at all times. I do it too. So he's videotaping his son, and then he realizes there is a bear. Right behind his son. Dad's, you know, what, I don't know, what, 10 feet away. That bear is probably 10 feet behind the boy. There's this bear right behind him. And in this video, dad, dad and I'm not going to show it because it kind of it freaked me out a little bit. Like, because fear, what, 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 you, what are you going to do with this bear? You going to fight it? Yeah, let's fight the bear. That'll work out really well. Um, are you going to run from it? Are you faster than the bear? No. Fight is not going to work. Flight's not going to work. Freeze? Is that going to work? No, because you look like a tasty snack for the bear. Uh, fawn? Oh, bear, Mr. Bear, you look very full and fit. I really don't think you need to eat anything right now. I am very, I'm kind of fatty. I would not taste good. It would not be, I would, I would give you indigestion. Can you, like, you know, would you fawn? No, none of those limited options would work. And so the dad is saying to the son on this video, feel free to go watch it sometime. He's coaxing his son toward him. He's saying, son, come towards me. There is mortal danger behind you. Come towards me. Come towards me slowly, calmly come towards me. Is that not the perfect illustration? Like, is that not perfect that there is death in the form of sin? It is crouching at the door. The Bible describes sin as a predator that is waiting in a pouncing position to eat us alive. And we have a heavenly father who is saying, come towards me. Slowly, calmly come towards me. That's one of your options. I didn't think it was one of my options. I thought I had to fight, flight, freeze, or fun. Nope. Come towards me. I can save you. I forgot to tell the first service this, but the boy made it. <laughs> no one. They're so messed up. They're going to need therapy. The, <laughs> the boy made it. The boy made it. But it's because he listened to the father. I mean, I, can you, it's just, the boy made it because he listened to the father. You will make it if you listen to the Father. By the Spirit, if you put to death the deeds of the flesh, the misdeeds of the flesh, you will live. You will live. Last week we talked about hearing from God. I'm going to wrap up with this. We talked about hearing from God, being open to what God is doing. Um, and, and I think, I think I'm going to tell you two things God would say to you if you actually open yourself up to hearing from Him. Okay, you ready? Two things God would say to you, and I'm not making these up. This is, I, I firmly believe if you actually open yourselves up to hearing from God, God's going to say these two things. Number one thing he's going to say before he says anything else, he's going he's to say, I deeply love you, period. I don't care what you've done. 
I don't care what's going on in your brain. I don't care what choices you've made. I don't care what's in your life. I don't care what's in your, your browser history. I don't care what, how your marriage is going. I don't care how bad of a parent you have been. I don't care what a failure you've been in life. I truly, deeply love you. He would always start there because he always does. The second thing he would say, and most of us already probably know, is he would say, there is something in your heart and, and we need to get it out because it's killing you. There is sin, there is darkness, there's something that we need to remove. And most of us have a sense of what that is already. And that's why we don't want to open ourselves up to hearing from God, because he's going to point to that thing. He's going to say, you need to forgive that person, because that lack of forgiveness is killing you. You need to get rid of that thing out of your life, because holding on to that thing is killing you. It's killing you. It's, a, it's, it's sin is crouched at the door, and its desire is to have you. It's what Genesis talks about. This is all Genesis stuff. It's killing you. That's sin, but if you slowly back away, I can save you. And that be, that's all God's asking. I love you. I want to save you from that stuff that's going on in your life that is causing death. It's what it's all ever been about.